Welcome back to the Money Markets and Macro Podcast, brought to you by Atticus Capital. I'm your host, Liam Hennessy. Now, last week, we discussed some of the market events that we've been seeing. And then in the second half of that podcast, we discussed some extension of the economic ambiguity debate that we've been having. We're going to dive a little bit more into that, discussing the recent payroll and economic data. So as you remember, last week, I held off discussing GDP just because we had payrolls coming on the 3rd of February, first Friday of the month. And I wanted to wait until we got some of that information, which was a very interesting, another surprise. The GDP wasn't so much, but the payrolls were. So we'll discuss a little bit of that today. We'll do a brief overview and look at the indexes and the markets and give you guys an update there on what we'd been seeing. So if you remember last week, we discussed the trend break that that we were looking for in the S&P and the dollar, I believe, was the bounce we were looking for. And we did start to see these sort of play through. So let me open up SPY here since the SPY was the index we've been looking at for the trends. What we're seeing in SPY Obviously, we're going to see the same thing occur in the S&P index. They are essentially one-to-one correlated. As we are seeing that trend break, and it looks like for this Monday, which I will be and am recording this podcast on Monday, I had a little bit of a delay over the weekend, so we are coming a little later this week for this podcast. So you may hear this podcast later Monday or early Tuesday. Either way, you'll get an updated market look. The S&P trend has been broken. We are still looking for confirmation. We're seeing a slight pullback here on Monday. Markets have not closed yet. We are down 0.69%. So we'll see where we close today. It's likely going to be near flat within the range of 1% to negative 1%. Possible that we do see a extension of a directional move into the end of the day. So we could close lower than a percent today, but it's very likely we won't close higher than 1% up on this Monday. So we will reconvene on this specific point early next week. We'll get a better idea what occurs by Friday of this week. And as we mentioned, a lot of these trend confirmations that we're looking for will take a couple of weeks to play out. So we will continue to update this podcast as we see these trends continue forward. But we are seeing a little bit of that assumptions that we've made in the last podcast come to fruition. Uh, As we note, we'll just note here, the S&P index is trading at 4106 currently right around the last level of a high that we set back in November the 28th of 2022. So we'll see if we maintain this level. The NASDAQ composite, seeing the same type of event, the bounce rally that we got starting on the 27th of December, is looking relatively strong. That bounce occurred at 10,675, right around that level. We're trading today at 12,468. So we did hit a high last week of 12,897, almost to 13,000, but not yet and not quite. 
we are looking for a little bit of resistance here, the same as what we were looking at for the S&P index. So again, let's give it a week, maybe two, and we'll come back and reconvene in more depth on what pattern confirmations we're seeing. We did mention on the last podcast, and this is the last time I'll reference it, that patterns were emerging. We're waiting for pattern confirmations now. Dow Jones trading at 33,856, trading within the consolidation range. It's looking a lot more like a pennant now, uh, less so a wedge. There is no flat line here. So we will see. It looks like a bullish pennant or a bullish pennant. Yep. That's the right definition. There's a wedge and a pennant. There's typically just the shape difference there. We'll see where this pennant likes to confirm. It looks like we're getting to that 75%. So quick note on pennant patterns. It's typically just a, a sideways triangle in the direction of the trend. Uh, typically a wedge will have one flat surface, so either resistance or support, and then a sort of angled line, a trend line into that surface, and you'll see that wedge pattern break through the flat line. A pennant is two trend lines which come to a sort of pivot point, and that's where you'll see your typical pennant with a pennant pattern. When you chart that out from the initial starting period of the pennant to that cross section between the two trend lines, where you will see typically the moves occur, you'll see the consolidation period within the first 50% of that pennant. So you'll say, take the internal structure between the start point and that inflection point. The first half of that range Will typically be within the pennant range. After you get to 50%, there's a higher probability that it will make a breakout. After 75%, a higher probability, so on and so forth, logarithmically. So the further on it goes, the likely, more likely it is to break out or break down, depending on the direction of the pennant. So quick technical note there for the uh, chartists out there. So we're going to take a look here. It looks like a bullish pennant on the Dow Jones. We are still very close to the recent all-time highs set around, let's see here, that would be 36,950, right around that level. We are a few thousand off of that specific level. We'll see if it wants to get there. If not, we can see a pretty substantial reversal. On the Russell 2000 index, we're trading at 1960. We mentioned the resistance at 1975, we see that there is a double top pattern here occurring after the recent lows set in, this is uh, mid-December of 2022. We are now starting to see the Russell reverse. So this may be an indication for the rest of the indexes as well, where we're not seeing quite the same type of reversal pattern established, but as we mentioned in the S&P, it's down around 75.75%. Uh, the Russell is down 1.66% at the current state. We still have about a half an hour before close. Natural gas, starting to see a little bit of a bounce. Nothing substantial, trading at $4, or excuse me, $2.47. Again, once we see something a little more substantial occurring, in natural gas, if this bounce is a true bounce, we will update you along the way. Typically, we're looking for a three candle bounce on the daily chart. The most recent we've seen is uh, merely two candle bounces. Typically, two candle bounces will be inverted. So they're a negative indicator. If you see a two candle bounce, you'll likely see a continuation of the previous trend. So say if it's a downtrend, you see a two candle uh, 
bounce in the positive direction, the third will likely be a rejection and vice versa. If you're seeing an upward trend and you see two negative days in a row, the third day is likely going to be a positive day. So that's a quick note on natural gas. Nothing occurring substantially yet. We are up 2.9% on the day. Oil. We did see a big reversal uh, from the recent highs in late January of 2022, or sorry, 2023. Sorry, my years are still getting messed up. Right around $82.40. We did see that high reached prior in December, the start of December. And then again in November of 22, we did see this level tested in October of 22, in September of 22, and all the way back in early September of 22 as well. So oil is trading at $74.40 currently. It's trading right near its recent lows, essentially at the same level as we saw back on the 5th of January 2023. We'll see if this continues. We're seeing a bounce occur today, up 1.36%, although the prior Friday oil did fall 3.28%, so we're barely getting halfway up Friday's candle. Nothing substantial yet. We will continue to update you on oil along the way. The biggest level we're looking for at this moment is below 72.50 and below that 70.50 itself. So if we get below 70.50, right around $70 a contract, $70 a barrel essentially, then there's going to be a little more cost for concern for the price of oil. It may continue to trend lower. If we do see a reversal, it's likely going to have to be now or in the next few days, possibly into next week before we see something major occur in the price of crude oil. Looking at silver, we're seeing silver continue to sell off. We did mention this. There was a rounded top occurring right at resistance in the silver contracts at uh, around $24.50. We are trading today at $22.26. There is a support level here at $22 itself. We'll see if that level is touched and used as support. Once again, if we fail under that level, then it's likely we're going to see a B or a decent amount of downside potential risk down to possibly $20.80. And at the most in the short to medium term, maybe the next month or a half or so, we could possibly get back down to 18, but that would be a very substantial move. And if we do see something, we'll get better indications once we get below 22. And we'll continue to update you on that level. There are some smaller uh, support levels between that $18 range and where we are today, although those aren't consequential as of today. Gold, as we mentioned last week, we're looking for that resistance to hold as resistance. And what did we see? We saw that resistance hold that resistance at around $19,050. So oil did reject big time on Friday, down 2.74% trading today at $18.79. So that's essentially where that first level was that we said would likely stop and pause gold if it did decide to reject is around 1970 or 1870, sorry, 1870, 1860, and 1850 were those first key levels we were looking at for the first drop support level. Uh, there is a prior bullish trend level that we're looking for that was confirmed near. 1860. So we're about 20 points above that level. We'll see if we continue down into that range later into this week. We'll see whether that occurs and whether or not the gold buyers are going to be strong enough to hold gold above 18 or 18,050. If not, 
there's a lot of potential to head back down to 1800 possibly back into the high 1700s so we'll keep you updated there as well uh typical rejection here trend rejection on gold nothing too substantial or major yet if we do see price trends continue to indicate worse and more substantial moves we will let you know the dollar like we mentioned again it looked like a bounce level was starting to form at 101 that bounce has been confirmed friday and monday oh these are weeklies excuse me uh, what we saw last week and what we're seeing this week is the dollar trading at 103.64 so we are starting to see that bounce the bounce was a perfect level there we did see where uh, we topped out back in march of 2020 was at around 101.8 we saw confirmation of that level uh, that resistance level was now confirmed at support back in may of 2022 that has now been again confirmed as support in january of january late january of 2023 so now what are we looking at for the dollar we're looking at for the dollar to get above 104. if we get above 104 we're looking for more confirmation above 105 and a half so very interesting we'll see where the dollar likes to go this might be negatively correlated to oil so we'll keep that in mind as we move forward we're now 13 minutes into the podcast and we're going to step on to the next segment here now i mentioned that i was going to hold off on going through this data the gdp data because i hadn't at the time taken a look through it we've had time to look through this information and the data here some interesting stuff that we're seeing but more surprising was the payroll report, which came in as a complete anomaly. And this was also confirmed slightly with the Federal Reserve Chairman Powell, where the FOMC raised interest rates by 25 basis points. If you remember all the way back, what was our expectations? We were going to be at this point, the actually the one prior the the hike prior to this one we said there's going to be a whole bunch of 50s and then 20s 25 basis point hikes leading into the summer of this year i still hold that case to be true that's still my belief is that there's going to continuously be 25 basis point hikes because we're seeing disinflationary properties and we did get that confirmation from powell himself in the recent fomc uh, that goes to show you listening to the money markets and macro podcast keeps you ahead of the game <laughs> but let's read powell's quote here which also gives us a little bit of an indication to what it is that the central banks are starting to shift towards now well, powell said this quote we can now say i think for the first time that the disinflationary process has started we can see that and we and we it really <laughs> we see it really in goods prices sorry that quote was pasted poorly but what is he saying here he's saying that they're starting to see disinflation and they're starting to see disinflation in the prices of goods now we mentioned the reason for this specifically a lot of that comes down to energy what are we seeing in natural gas that we've been watching and in oil recently we're seeing a huge 
fall in the price of specifically natural gas that'll also lead us into the prices for heating oil, which have also been falling, but not to the same degree as natural gas. But that is what we have been discussing at length and at nauseum for quite a few podcasts now is the CPIs that we've been seeing specifically in the US and in Europe have been for better or for worse, in most part, a result of energy shocks. We had the 2020 supply shock. We have the February of 2022, right? Yeah. February war in Ukraine with the Russians who supply a huge sum of natural gas to Europe, or I should say supplied a huge sum of natural gas to Europe. It was around 30%. The last time we got data from the IEA, that was the the American Energy Association that correlates and aggregates a lot of this data. So we started to see energy prices fall and that was a huge disinflationary sign. We did see and cite the oil futures curve many times, and that was another indication that the energy disinflationary properties were going to start hitting the economy and bringing down CPIs. That, of course, has now happened, and we're starting to see it. But what I want to focus on here a little bit is the GDP. We'll quickly go through that, and then we'll get into this payroll, because there's something interesting about the payroll report and the survey data and a lot of these other data points that we've seen over the last year or so or longer, you know, we have the, the household, the establishment surveys, we have incomes and expenditures. These are all showing signs of a looming recession. We also have corporations in their earnings reports, Intel, Alphabet, all of these different companies, and I'm just citing two of them there, but there's been many, many more that have been warning of a second half slowdown. We also have yield curves, the commodity futures curves, not just oil. We have euro dollar futures curves. All of these data sets are indicating recession. We also have a litany of economists, which it seems now is typically the consensus view that we're heading into an economic recession. Then all of a sudden, what did we get last week? It was it was almost you know a, a strange anomaly. Over five hundred thousand added to the payroll. It was tw- essentially twice the estimates. Now that's a whole different thing, but it's important to drill down a little bit here. What does this payroll report? mean it was a a wrench in the system is there something else that's occurring that's going on in this system and there was a a proposal that came up by stephen van meter that i think actually helps explain a little bit of this and we don't know specifically or for certain whether or not this is the case but there's he used the 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 self-licking ice cream cone but i like to give it the the self-fulfilling prophecy type of example the the self-induced prophecy imbalance maybe something along those lines where since so many people corporations maybe even governments see all of this data and believe there's a recession well that will change behavior inevitably if you think that 
in the future economic prosperity will be well less prosperous, you're going to start to change behavioral spending habits, consumption habits, so on and so forth now to better prepare for what's to come. And maybe that's what we've been seeing, where people have been seeing, companies have been seeing more specifically, banks have been seeing all of these signs, they've been watching the yield curve for so long and hearing and seeing and understanding that the probability of recession is so high that they began to, as we mentioned before, maybe remember early, early on, maybe the first couple of podcast episodes that we, we produced was companies are starting to cut expenses. Like we always say, job sharing, hiring freezes, a bunch of these other HR tactics to manage employment, different spending habits to manage the expenditures, the fixed income or fixed expenditures, trying to cut those down to save on the balance sheet, preparing for what is it? Economic ambiguity. And companies typically put it in the reference of economic uncertainty. So maybe it is in part due to that, because individuals, companies, banks, consumers, so on and so forth, producers have been cutting back on spending and consumption because they expect and see that potential recession is coming. Well, that gave the data series a slight tilt. And much like we saw back in July of 2022, where this was the same type of payroll anomaly, But what is it about July of 2022? Because that was out of trend. We'd see a, we had seen previously a declining trend in payrolls up until that point. July of 2022 hits a random over 500,000, just like this one, even more than this one. But we don't talk about that. Why? Well, the following four or five payroll reports that came out after that July report, they were all negative, increasingly negative. They were weaker and weaker and weaker. July was just a fluke. They clearly didn't do too much because it was just that one month and then the trend began to resume. Could that be what's occurring now with this payroll report? Well, we don't know. We need the next payroll report to know whether or not something has significantly or materially changed in the economy. Now, the peanut gallery, as Jeff Snyder puts it, which I love that term, they applauded the 500,000. And yes, that's a good number. It's a very good number. And it puts into question all of this information and the data that we've been looking at, all the curves, the, the international economic data from the Germans, the Italians, the Swedish, the Chinese, all of the, the monetary dollar shortage that we're seeing, the curves that are inverted and continuously getting worse. None of that information, none of that data, none of those series have given us any indication that there is such an imbalance and reversal that would corroborate this 500,000 added job payroll report. Now, we can't read too much into this yet. We need more data. We need the next month, maybe a couple more months, to see whether or not this was an anomaly, a fluke. What I will be very interested in seeing is whether the next payroll report will be as good as this one, or in line with good, as good as this one. So maybe it's above 400,000 or maybe even 350,000 would be still another beat. So we'll keep an eye on these payroll reports, but it's very interesting to see. And we can see this type of occurrence 
likewise in the GDP, the last report we got for Q4 of 22. I may have gotten these numbers wrong, I, I'm assuming. Oh, it looks like I may have downloaded the wrong data set. Excuse me as I return to the GDP report here. We do have an Excel file open. And we do have this information charted out. Let me see if they have updated these. That doesn't seem so real gross domestic product uh, increased at an annual rate of 2.9% in the fourth quarter of 2022, after increasing 3.2% in the third quarter. Now this in and of itself is good. I'm trying to see whether or not there has been a better report here. So it is okay. Yeah, that is the 2.9%. I feel like we did see that number prior. I'm wondering why I may have had my data series all mixed up here, but this report was in late January of 22. Well, we can go into the GDP data nonetheless. Now these GDP data sets have been relatively good. And again, a lot of this has come from the import side, inventory side, I should say, where inventories have been high. Remember post 2020, a lot of that inventory imbalance is where we started to see some skews in the economic data. I'm just looking at the quarter over quarter GDP reports here. We did see in the first quarter of 2020, it was down 4.6% in the second quarter. We saw a fall of 29.9%. The third quarter, we saw an increase of 35.3%. So that in and of itself, that anomaly of lockdowns and so on and so forth, we did see throughout the domestic economy and global economy, it created some variations in the data series. And then we did see some very positive reports, you know, at 6.3 in the first of 22, uh, 21, excuse me. Um, we did see a seven in the second quarter. We did see a seven again in the fourth quarter. The first two quarters of 22 were not so good. We did see down 1.6% and then another 0.6% in Q1 and Q2. Following that, we saw a rise of 3.2 followed by 2.9 in the fourth quarter. So what that is showing us, it, it looks a lot like something following personal consumption and the expenditure data that we've been looking at as well. So nothing has really necessarily recovered after the fourth quarter of 2021. We did see a little bit of a drawback and then a little bit of a recovery. But again, a lot of that can be explained by the inventory problems that we're seeing in the domestic economy. When we look at something like personal consumption, that is essentially flatlined. There has been no real recovery. We saw huge distortions back again at the same time period, the first couple of quarters of 2020. We did see a bit of a, another sort of anomalous break uh, following that when people got those stimulus, the PPPs. We did see personal consumption rise to essentially an outsized degree. And then we're starting to see that normalize a little more towards that zero bound in personal consumption, yet it's even slowing today. We see some gross private domestic investments, which are just starting to recover above zero, which is interesting, but 
private domestic investment has a lot of tertiary factors to it, so we can't dive too deeply into this one specifically. Another very interesting element to that GDP report has been the net trade balance. So the imports and exports and which one is doing better than the other, and it gives us a aggregate total. And what we're seeing recently is we've had in the most recent data series, the last few reports have been very positive. We had one report, this was back in, if I can find the correct data here, uh, back in the first quarter of 22, we were down 3.13% for the net trade balance. It's a very, very negative number there. And a lot of that sanctions, war, so on and so forth, you get the picture. And a lot of those geopolitical events did cause ruptures in that system. The prior trend up until that point had been fairly stable. But what are we seeing now? Well, the last three reports we got were 1.16 in the second quarter of 22, 2.86 in the third quarter, and then a very sharp reversal. It only grew, net trade balance only grew by half a percent in the fourth quarter of 22. So a very big reversal here in the net trade balance. And maybe that'll be a big result of the Chinese economy not booming to the same degree. But imports are down, exports are down, big time, actually. Not even to the same degree as imports. Imports went from the third quarter up 1.2% to only up 1.7%, where exports were up 1.65% in the third quarter and down 0.15%. So there's something going on in the export economy in the United States. Maybe that's prices, maybe that's labor, who knows. But that's the update for the GDP. Now we could go into depth with all of these specific data series and sets, but again, as I always mention, it's very difficult for me to try to explain data series and data sets and statistics to uh, an audio audience, I should say, a, a podcast, essentially a radio audience where you don't have the capacity or capability to see exactly what I'm looking at. So it's hard to visualize that data specifically for yourself. But that's where we'll leave it. We're going to come back and provide a reading this Thursday. There are a few articles I'm trying to find which one may be the best and contextually important for the current state of the economy and something that will be of relevance to all of us. But until that time, I thank you all for listening in. I know today's podcast was just a lot of data. We are going to change that up next week where we get back into some geopolitics. There's a few discussions that we do need to have and freshen up on. But until then, thanks for listening. And we will see you all on the next one.